everybody wants to be a part of the culture until it's time to be diverse, equitable, and inclusive. So we're having the uncomfortable conversations needed to spark the change right here, right now. We're your hosts, Ty Devereaux Lawson. And I'm Simeon Coker. And we say all the things you wouldn't. Welcome back to the Mixed Company Podcast. I'm Gina Grillo, president of the Advertising Club. On behalf of the club and our partner, Mixed Company Podcast, welcome to our clubhouse. Tonight's program is special because as an organization, the content is created for members, by members, and it's even more meaningful when that member was part of our Women's Fellowship, honored as an icon, rock star, and innovator, is a person who always stays committed to this organization, and a person who is really the heart and soul, and she's so great at sharing amazing ideas. And so I'm so proud to have Kai Devereaux Lawson, Senior VP of Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion at Tensu with us. And also want to thank her partner, Mixed Company Podcast, longtime Ad Club member, creative director of Indigo and Pyrite, Samian Cocker, sorry. This evening is special because we're taking a beat to recognize some important moment in history, particularly New York history. It's the 50, tomorrow was the official 50th anniversary of hip hop, which started right here in the Boogie Down Bronx in 1973. The impact that musicians and the music had on the marketing world is undeniable, and we're honored to have with us the CMO of Def Jam Records, Dr. Charlene Thomas. and the CMO of United Masters Translation and Executive Committee Board member, Chaucer Barnes. Can you think of anybody better to have this conversation? Like, we really stack the deck here. And they're gonna provide their insights and just how this music and this culture really has influenced beyond the music world, but really into our culture. Before we get started, I wanna encourage whoever's not a member to please join us. And Visit our um, website. There's so many things slated for the fall and for the winter. I'm very excited that summer starts tomorrow for Ad Club employees. But um, definitely, we have brave brands. We have conversations with during advertising week. We have ad futures, our holiday party, our out of home event. And so please just go to our website to sign up. And now, please welcome Kai and Chaucer and Charlene. Thank Over you, to you Gina. guys. Thank you, thank you, thank you, and welcome everybody. I'm gonna. I'm, so, so I know it looks like a panel, but I want you to use your marketing and technological minds. This is a podcast episode, and so <clears throat> you guys get to see the things that happen behind the veil of the Zoom of the microphone. And so I'm just excited that we're all in here. I, I, I called it co-conversationalists earlier to Chaucer and Char- Charlene. So welcome into the conversation, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Mixed Company Podcast. I am your co-host, Kai Devro Lawson. My official co-host is in the audience monitoring. He's giving Suge Knight vibes. Shout out to Hip Hop 50. He's making sure everything goes, goes along accordingly. And I have the opportunity to not just be here in person with you all, but in person with two people who I greatly admire, one whom I met most recently, another who I have been fangirling. Chasa, I told you that last 
last year fangirling about um, for a couple of years. Um, hip hop is my heart. Hip hop is the heart of what um, kind of afforded my co-hosts and I to start the Mixed Company podcast for uh, back in 2016, in, in uh, March of 2016. And really it's about the advocacy, the honesty, and the transparency that be, that telling your own story and creating your own narrative gives to us. And so I am looking forward to sharing in conversation and in good vibes and in all things great with Charlene and Chaucer, just what it actually means at the intersection of hip hop and the intersection of marketing and how we can learn from each other on the label side, on the agency side, even on the data side a little bit. Shout out to United Artists. Um, United Masters. United Masters, my bad. No, we were named after United Artists, so, you know, the, you know the family. It's, it, it, it it's family it, ties. It's family ties. So I'm happy to be here. Welcome to you both. So to my left, Dr. Charlene Thomas, do you mind introducing yourself for the folks who do not know so that they may? Hi, I'm Dr. Charlene Thomas, VP of Marketing at Def Jam Records. Um, I've got a few decades in, in the entertainment industry, and, and just looking at that commercial, those commercials, I have to say, took me back. I was actually at the Wu-Tang St. Ides, so you'll date me a little bit. I actually <laughs> forgot what St. Ides was. I forgot <laughs> that. I forgot the Aaliyah. I mean, I, just even looking at that and, and, and the significance of Hip Hop 50, which we'll be celebrating not only the whole month, but tomorrow, it really shows how far hip hop has come. And when we started and, and we did these type of um, brand partnerships, it was, for me, it was to expose the artists because we weren't mainstream yet and we didn't have it figured out and we wanted the world to know how great this music was. And those were our ways in and it was and doing from St. Ives and I had Meth on a Reebok bus shelter ad for the first time. It was really to for exposure, so we didn't really even get what it was. So to see how we've gone to even Jay Z to HP and and just a lot of these other commercials, it's I'm, I'm impressed. I just have to say, wow. <laughs> so I was explaining to to my conversational my co conversationalist today on the podcast. We do this um, thing called Dope. S-H-I-T, and ain't S-H-I-T. And basically, that is current events for grown folks who just want to air some stuff out. And so, Charlene, I just want to hear, is there anything that you've seen in the cultural zeitgeist that has really hit you as some dope-ish, or anybody that needs to be put on blast for their ain't-ish? <laughs> so, I'm gonna be a little corny. Um, my office is near Times Square, the epicenter of ad galore, right? <laughs> um, and I passed the M&M store, and I just have to say, I love M&M ads. I think whoever does them, whoever the marketing person is, the agency, whoever came up with the concept of making them actual characters, and then I saw the, the female one with the boots, and she had on the patent leather with the, and I'm looking, I'm like, yeah, what kind of shoes are those? I love M&M commercials. I'm sorry, I have to say that, so I'm corny. <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you. And shout out to anybody who has touched, worked on, or wants to work on Mars. It is doing what it needs to do. Chaucer, can you give us the same thing, a quick introduction, and let us know what's your dope-ish, or maybe some ain't-ish? 
Yeah, hey, I am Chaucer Barnes. I'm the chief marketing officer that I read right there. Uh, that means I, we run an agency, a creative agency that is very much about helping brands, big brands generally, find their footing in pop culture theaters like music, entertainment, sports, social justice. We also have this artist services wing to us where we make software so that artists can maintain ownership of all of their IP and power their careers, get discovered, get brand deals, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And we support millions, literally, of artists uh, in that capacity. And so my job is to go out and create the market where brands are going to spend both with the agency as well as uh, within the artist within the artist community, right? So that might be, yeah, you work with this artist and this artist comes and performs, or you do a sync and you get a record that can go on your television spot, or it could be something more profound, like, hey, do you want to figure out how to power the digital wallets and the savings accounts of hundreds of thousands of people at one time? You should come see me. So that's what I do. I come from a background where I was, I was an independent musician who stumbled into advertising, and luckily, across the next 20 years, got a chance to make my way back. And I'm a student in the culture, I'm a practitioner in the culture, and I'm very excited to be here. As far as what's ain't and what is dope, I am watching Jason Aldean right now. <laughs> and I, and I gotta tell you, I'm gonna get a blended answer. He, he, the ain't-ish the ain't part of it should be self-evident looking at me. I don't agree with very many of his politics. None that I've been able he's to find so far. He's not giving Martha's Vineyard meets Brooklyn. He's not giving. <laughs> yeah, he's not giving that, and I'm and I'm not taking this back. So, uh, we do not we do not cross in terms of our opinions. But I, but watching this guy decide that he wants to become a bully, and and if he's going to be a bully, there's going to be this crowd behind him, and then and whipping that crowd into a frenzy and getting himself to a number one and kind of strategically getting himself canceled so that he could get to the number one, and then releasing a diss track. He put a diss track out where he's like, Disney, Target, mm. everybody. It's giving 50 cents. It's giving 50 uh, cents. What was that, 99, 2000? He's How to rap a rapper. I was Listen. telling, I was telling, I was telling Dr. Thomas brand? before we started, like, if he lifts his shirt and he's got a Thug Life tattoo. Listen, it's done. It's not going to be surprising at all. This guy is taking the Tupac playbook of battle rap and applied it to these culture wars, and I think it's just the most fascinating thing. I actually do, too. Um, and so we're going to talk about the commercialization of hip-hop, which is actually what we all in this room uh, engage with today. But before we do that, my dope-ish is really quickly, um, I just want to give a shout-out to my brother. Um, and so um, not to keep, not to turn the vibes down, but I recently lost my brother, but I will say this. I got into this industry because of how the world looked at my brother, and I got into DE&I because I wanted to actually impact how people treated people who looked like my brother. And so in his legacy, I'm excited that the first thing I'm doing um, post uh, uh, his transition is getting to have this conversation with some really dope people and some dope folks in the room. So this is dedicated to him. So if I go, if I wild out, it is for Papito, AKA Rico, and, and it's all love. And so we'll dive right in because we have very few moments together. And let's talk about it, right? Da ha da ha, we never thought hip hop could take it this far, right? Jay-Z told us on the Blueprint album that we needed to um, pay them back for what they did to the Cold Crush. Shout out to anybody that understands that reference. But it means that there's been a lot of folks making good money off of hip hop since its inception in 1973 in the Bronx on Sedgwick Ave. And so let's talk about, I'm, I'm gonna let you guys talk about the positive, right? What, how have 
artists, how have musicians, how have those who engage in hip hop culture from a native sense, how have they benefited from this commercialization and this intersection between marketing and the culture that we uh, engage within? I'll start, because I kind of said it earlier, right? When, even when I started and, and it was this thing called rap and we were trying to figure it out, um, as a marketing person, when after releasing, so my job is after the artist records a record, it's everything it takes for you to buy into it, for you to buy into the artist, into the music, into the story being told, into the vision that this creative had when they were making these records. So that's my job. So it goes from anything from videos back then, and you know. Um, E, uh, mail, whatever, <laughs> poster boards, the, when we put, it's all strategically done, even if we have the, you know, we have Beyonce's name on the sidewalk when you walk outside. So those, anything it took for you to, to, to know that it existed. I've even done barbershop bibs because I knew that females go and get their hair done every weekend, right? So what better way to promote a female artist? You go in there, here's your bib, even for a guy getting his hair cut. We, I've done the gates at um, barbers, um, barber shops because especially, I think there's a couple left for Big Pun, right when you pull down the gate, it was right there. It was everything to kind of you know, keep visible. So as, as when we first put out a record and you know, it reached a certain benchmark, it's like, what do you do next? And I started at Loud Records, so I had Wu-Tang, I had Mob Deep. Females did not buy into them. So one, either we're gonna do another record and put a female on it, that's marketing when you have a feature because we wanna capture that person's audience, or I'm gonna look for something out there that the consumers yourselves buy into or do every day. And when I, for example, the St. Ides, we knew, you know, St. Ides knew they had a certain demo. Um, the one thing we can say about New York is we have a corner store everywhere, right? Because if you remember the ad, it was in front of a corner store. Here's St. Ives, you know, everybody wants to drink a 40 ounce. And it worked, because we were like, let's get that audience that buys into that particular beverage. The Method Man with Reeboks, I remember meeting Q and Dawn Marie, and they were like, we really don't know if, you know, rappers will sell our sneakers. And I'm like, <laughs> Everybody wears sneakers, though. <laughs> and the one thing about any artist is they love sneakers, especially male artists. And we did that, and it was both shelters, but the, the part of it being a both shelter was New York City is big on public transportation. So if I have this ad in a both shelter, one, when you're going to work, you're going to see it. You're going to pay attention to it because it has the sneakers. And it was Reebok at this particular time, because it was right before they did the deal with AI. And that's where I started looking at all these different outlets to just expand my artist reach. And it was not only, it wasn't at that time about even selling records. It was just, I want people to see. We wanted people to hear our music. We wanted people to hear our artists. And unfortunately, Loud wasn't mainstream like Bad Boy, so they weren't playing it on the record. So I had to think of everything else where it was more mom and pop, where we can touch people, shake hands, kiss babies, just to make our artists get seen. Because I knew my artists were just as good. It was like that friendly competition. Bad Boy had this movement, they had the logo, everybody just wanted to be down because of who they were, and I'm like, nah, but my records are just as hot. 
<laughs> so we got to get out there and just get all these different ways to show people how hot we are. So when Mob I Mob Deep is hot. I was about to say, speaking of, did you just casually drop that you put Lil Kim on a Quiet Storm remix? Yes. Sheesh. And it works. And that, and, and honestly, <laughs> that is, so that was the concept. I had a friend that worked at Bad Boy, Mob Deep. We had Quiet Storm. We knew we wanted to get it some, we wanted to keep it going. And both of us, me and her, we sat together and we were like, let's, what if we put a girl on the record? It worked. And it worked. Drugs to your eardrum. It worked. Okay. I, and I actually, to this day, still have the real or real. Like, I actually have it. So if people say I didn't do it, I could actually show That's right. Receipts. <laughs> Trust. But that was the concept. It was just like, because for Wu and Mob at that time, it was, they were kind of a little anti-girl. You know, it was like, let's keep it real. They were still in that era. But it also just kind of, it, it changed them to even understand the impact of female buying, female power. We all know, we all say it in my industry, like women buy more. Like it's just a fact, you know, no offense to you, ma'am, sorry. <laughs> but it's just more. So we knew we had to do that. And even when Loud just celebrated their 30th and I helped produce the, um, the BET award show, Wu-Tang has never had dancers and females on stage. And they actually said, Let's do it. The evolution. So I, the evolution. So, oh, going back to your um, question, just to wrap, and I'm going to pass it to Chaucer, is I've seen from when I started to now, just, I mean, even Kanye, he curated on, um, at Lincoln Center a whole um, opera. You know, like, it's just to see that kind of stuff. You have Rihanna with Fenty. Jay-Z in Brooklyn Library right now. It's to see all of these things that this music has allowed and afforded these artists just to even, probably even think beyond what they thought because it's beyond the music now. And, and earlier today, we lit the Empire State Building and Ja Rule said, hip hop is about unity. And unity meaning that we're ha we have this form of music that's allowing us to not only meet a lot of people and have a different, just have a lot of different ideas and just bringing it all together so we all could kind of be reforming. And that's what hip hop is now. It's beyond the music. It's beautiful. Chasa, what about you? What, what, what's the positive that has come out of the intermingling between marketing and hip hop? Well, I mean, look, I, I don't disagree. It's obviously grown the art form and, and, and enabled the art form. It's capitalized the art form in a lot of ways, right? So number one, artists individually have to be able to put, the, put together a portfolio of different earnings. And so you can imagine a check from a brand being a part of that. Um, but they are also on the hook to maintain and grow an audience, right? And so brands can always play for the individual artist. I think where it starts to get much more interesting is where brands, is where brands recognize the power of the movement and invest more deeply than at the single artist level, right? So like, I can always get somebody to stand beside me and hold this can or sit in this car for long enough. Uh, but when you invest in somebody at the ground up, like, like Dr. Thomas was mentioning Reebok, Reebok wound up, long story short, after AI and after a bunch of things, after they were putting Method Man on bus shelters, they actually wound up investing in a shoe that was for a rapper, the S. Dot Carter. S. Dot Carter. And as you can well imagine, it's like pulling teeth, right? It's like pulling teeth to get somebody to go, yeah, you can make an athletic shoe for a guy that doesn't run, jump, shoot, or have a six pack? What are you talking about? <laughs> but of course, then when it, then it goes, and then it goes over the wall. And then you get to make the G-Unit sneaker. And then you get to make the ice creams, right? Now, and Reebok gets all of that vertical action 
But what that does is that licenses the next person to be like, well, I don't, now I don't have to question whether or not an artist can sell a sneaker. Now I don't have to question that. And then you create the pretext for these artists, these creative entrepreneurs to be entrepreneurial in other pursuits. I think that's where we're starting to see it really go. You saw a little early flashes of it with whatever, 50 in vitamin water. You saw a little early flashes of it with the dynasty that Jay-Z has been able to pull together, Fenty, et cetera. But now I think it's becoming expected. And that's what's most exciting. If you're gonna, if you're gonna borrow our cultural capital, then we expect to be in the vehicle with the financial capital and, and the markets that we create together, we're gonna own together. For sure. I say all the time when I look at the emergence of social media and also the evolution of hip hop is that those two tools and resources, if you will, gave a lot of people who did not have access to enterprise and access to capital and access to platform and reach the opportunity to kind of evolve this new class of people, if you will, that work in business. Like you said, why would we give a sneaker to somebody that don't play ball? Because he can sell your sneaker why would we put why why do we need to um you know talk about big pun and 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 create uh, uh grecos if you will of artworks on corner stores and that's because that's where that market exists and it's an untouched market that deserved to be acknowledged and so i love that um and 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 for me hip-hop actually over the years has become democratized, right? And so, you know, the, the beautiful thing about it is that it's accessible to everybody. The not so always beautiful thing about it is, is that it becomes accessible, accessible to, everybody. to everybody. And so within that accessibility, there becomes this opportunity to kind of change language and change narrative about, you know, what does it actually mean to be of the culture, for the culture? Gina said earlier, you know, for our members, by our members. And I think about FUBU, I think about LL Cool J, for us, by us, but now hip hop is for for everyone and now by everyone. So when we look at the term culture, um, and Charlene, I'll start with you because I know that you're the one with the hard stop, so I want to get your POV first on this. But when we look at the term culture becoming interchangeable with hip hop, most of us in here have sat at a table where someone has said to us, we want to inject more culture. We want to be part of the culture more. We want to have culture. We want, we want to understand how we can contribute to culture in an authentic way. Did everyone love the buzzwords? I used all of the buzzwords that I could think of. When we talk about culture, most of us in our minds, we know what we mean. And we know what you mean. And we know what needs to happen in the output. But that was not always the case. The term culture did not always was not always a, a, um, a, a, a synonymous with hip hop and with particularly that black urban part of the culture that hip hop kind of brought to the surface. And so I'd love to, to get a sense, like, what do you guys think? Because I don't think that it's been dated. I don't think this is in a history book. But when or where do you think it became natural for us to synonymize hip hop and culture with each other? Well, I'm gonna tell you, he got a great explanation. So for this question, so, oh yeah, you do. Cause you even went down to niche. So um, I, I'm gonna be really honest. That's a great question. I wanna know. <laughs> Says the people that don't have an answer, right? Right, and <laughs> no, because I'm, as a marketing person, forget the music side, I remember a few years ago when they canceled the term multiculture. Mm -hmm. 
Like, you couldn't, it was multicultural for a minute, multicultural marketing, and then they said, nope, stop using that. So then now, it's like this change. So if I had to pinpoint, maybe five, maybe. Because multicultural just left. So it's just a... <laughs> She's still in the elevator. Yeah, I'm like still there. Like, so it's you, and, and it's, I, I'm just like, wow, we are making it really synonymous. And is it because you don't want to say hip hop anymore? Or is it you just don't want to say urban anymore? I'm trying to still, I'm right here trying to still understand what are we really saying? So I personally don't have an answer. I mean, maybe you guys can educate me on that one. Y'all got one. It, it was April 9th. Yes. Come on. No. The red receipts. Yes. <laughs> No, I, I I will say I I was thinking about the whole thing with interchangeable. I don't even know if it's interchangeable, or I don't even know if that's the thing to focus on as much as hip hop is interoperable Ooh. with all these other cultural theaters, and that's the thing that short people that don't understand it shortchange themselves because you don't understand that hip hop is actually bleeding into the back of every other cultural theater that you have it's and insidious. colonizing. So like if you don't if you don't you can't really understand an NBA tunnel walk. If you don't understand hip hop, you can't even understand the end zone dance on Monday Night Football. Mm -hmm. If you don't understand hip hop, you can't. You 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 want to treat gaming culture like it's this whole other separate thing. And this kid's named Justin from Connecticut. Kai Sinat put sixty thousand kids. Listen, he mad. He's mad at all sixty thousand of them. <laughs> He's upset. So it's like if you don't, it becomes hip hop becomes a barrier a linguistic cultural barrier to all of these other things that are pop culture, right? And that's why it's, that's why at the end it feels interchangeable because there's nothing that hip hop hasn't made its own. And the things that, and this has a lot to do with, hip hop is a meritocracy, way more so than most other For formats, sure. definitely more so than advertising. Mm -hmm. Was that shade? It felt. Shady. I mean, come on! <laughs> Did somebody like, turn on the lights? I can't see anymore. I, I, I'll say that I, I've been saying all week because everybody's like, "Well, what does advertising have to give hip hop and hip hop?" And I'm like, "Hip hop has way more to teach advertising than advertising has to teach." Hip hop, in part, you can look at it like, "What's your role at Densu Kai?" I lead inclusion. I lead yeah. diversity, equity, and inclusion. Yo, the, here's the hit list of hip hop right now. You got Jack Harlow, out running out front. You've got, I can do the oldies, MIA. I don't have to go to Eminem. You know how diverse hip hop is? How, yes. Yeah. Yes. Advertising doesn't look like hip hop in terms of the diversity numbers. You can't do that. And I don't know if anyone listens to reggaeton trap, but like that literally caught my attention about five years ago. Like The biggest artist in the world is, is Bad Bunny. Bad this Bun guy is yes. born of hip hop yeah. and he's not even speaking English. Yeah. Yeah. What are you talking about? It's that, it's that. So when you want to talk to me about diversity and what's your board look like, what's your cap table look like? It's like, yo, look at hip hop. That's what we do. How inclusive are you really? Does or it look like, like hip hop? You got a social digital specialization department? Cute. Lil Nas X and Cardi B and whatnot. They just assumed that was batteries included. That's how they got to where they are. It was being a master at that thing that you think is an expertise. And so, yeah, music and specifically hip hop has taken over all of these other things to the point where if you don't get this, we are the lingua franca. So if you don't get this, you don't get football, basketball, right. church, Wednesdays, whatever. 
So the way I, I oh yeah, um, so I can tell you the why it got there, but I don't know when it got there. <laughs> it was April 9th. I thought we said. <laughs> oh, April 9th. So April 9th. He's coining that. Um, but it's just to add on to what he said, you know, and, and I'm going to go from the music side. When we look at artists or we're trying to spot artists that we're signing, it's because they represent their areas, their hoods, or wherever they're from. And we find something about them that they're telling this story. And you mentioned it when we spoke. It's, it's a form of niche marketing. So that is when we sign an artist, you can kind of equate it to that, right? We'll, we'll find an artist. I mean, I'd have artists in Africa, UK, Philippines, Australia, um, UK, and they're all telling a story. And by this story, we're learning these areas. We're learning lifestyles. We're learning culture. We're learning tastes, likes, dislikes. And here, the music is coming out, and then everyone is starting to see this. And that's why they're gravitating to different artists and saying, yeah, we can align, with the, align you with this brand, and we can align you with that, because it's representative of these different areas from all of these different artists. So that's what the music is doing, and probably the why to the reason that now we're saying this one word. But you know, that, that, that's my reason of it. I, and I agree with that. I think when we look, when I look at hip hop and I look at how interchangeable and how actually a part of the marketing work that we do on a day to day basis, I really look at how for me hip hop was the of, of original influencer, right? Like as as an entity, but also the people involved, being able to share a story to a global audience and having people in in Japan, having people in Germany, having people in Nigeria identify with you know the socioeconomic challenges, identify with having to provide for your family, identify with being at the bottom of the political food chain, if you will, because that's, that's a lot more people's story than I think prior to hip hop, we gave ourselves credit for you know, feeling alone, like uh, being yeah. in those situations made a lot of people feel alone, and so they started speaking about it out loud, and a lot of other people were like, "Yeah, oh, I, I want exactly running water how? too." That's, oh. You, that's how it is out there. It's crazy over here, and I think being able that shared narrative across the board has has allowed it to become American culture at its core, from our sports to our food to our entertainment, and into now a more globalized version of of what culture looks like. I, I actually think I think as a second act, because especially when you go back and you go to into the annals of like hip hop versus you get to the the big three, right? You get Adidas, Sprite, Saint Ides. Those are the ones that really got it right up front. And you realize it's just like what Dr. Thomas was describing. They they had to be there. It's not like they had a crystal ball and they were like, this isn't a fad. This is a cultural staple in waiting. They were pushed into these corners by red balance sheets. Certainly Adidas was. St. Ives didn't have a broader target than black youth who lived in A markets, etc. And I don't think any of them made that investment understanding where this was all going to go. Absolutely not. And a couple of them have been able to hold on. And then you got that second wave where it's like, oh, this actually, my Applies. kids in the back seat are singing this record. <laughs> this is different now. Mm -hmm. And it was this whole other chapter where people began to invest in hip hop, not because of the people that look like the people who created it, but everybody else. For sure. And I think now you're, you're really scraping up against something as we get new global voices that are at the forefront of the craft, you're gonna have this other, this, this next wave of aperture adjustment. 
you, you got to just, you're like, oh, wait, this is doing something fundamentally different. Just give me my 10% later. Does anybody okay. have questions? I, I want to break for questions, but I, I like to give a buffer so you can think about it. Anybody want to ask a question? Because, I, I mean, I, I can keep going, but I'd like this to be engaging. I see my bison in the, in the audience right now. Shout out to HU, you know. Um, but I want to make sure if anybody has any questions that you think about it now, because I've got one more question for the two of you, and I'll partake as well. Um, but, but if you have them, raise your hand, and I will try to get to you. And so... Um, as we're wrapping up and, and we get to have deeper conversations, I want to encourage everybody to do your research. Like, I think, think uh, looking at translation and shout out to Steve Stout, like the first time I saw hip hop like actually chronicalized in a, in a book mm -hmm. was um, the tanning of America. And that kind of, where I thought that coming into advertising was going to be like a year stint until I found my real footing in hip hop uh, to make money. Advertising pays way more. Um, we do, that, do better it, on that it's front. True, it's true. Um, I, I, I was about to, to transition my career, but then I was like, yo, there's something here. And so I'd love to get a sense from both of you. Is there a hip-hop moment, hip-hop marketing combination moment that like sticks out to you that impacted your life, your career, just how you, your outlook on what you do on a day-to-day -day basis? Or... Um, just your favorite hip-hop advertising moment. What is it? I'll start while y'all think about it. Um, and it actually is a Sprite moment. And so I can vividly remember my brother and I used to sit in front of BET all day long. Donnie Simpson and at, and at a time, Big Tigger were our babysitters for a long time. Um, and so one of the, the, the spots that really captivated me that was like, wow, this is amazing was the Sprite. It was like... Um, like a like a sprite ninja hip hop pseudo um, um, I guess karate movie almost and it had Busta Rhymes, Angie Martinez, and like a whole, and, and Wu Tang was in it and they were. I am a no only thirty five but thank you. Um, but that moment and seeing the I think Hype Williams actually also directed it. Yeah. Seeing that vi those vivid colors, the hard sounds, the lyrics, the, the the rhyming, even the engagement of having women a part of it was like super impactful to me. Where I was like, I'm trying to do that with the rest of my life. So that was my moment that kind of took me over uh, into into being obsessed with what we're talking about today. So shout out to Sprite for holding it down for 30 years. <laughs> so mine. Um, I'm, I'm going to go more music because, you know, music is the, if I had to define music, it's the, it's, it's the story of your life, right? There's probably a song, everybody in here, that resonates with you for something in your life. So I'm going to say um, I partied a lot. <laughs> yes. And past the Cavassier was a whole moment. Shout out to that moment. Was a whole moment. Post them out for some Cavassier. And you did the dance, you drank Cavassier, like you just, I don't even like dark liquor, but you know, you just, it was a moment. I'm about creating moments. Like, um, so I would say that. And then I have to give credit to HP for Jay-Z because one thing I will say about the music industry, no slide on it, obviously, because I love it. 
I think we were a little behind on technology. And HP, that HP commercial, I remember being a kid and watching the Jetsons and like, oh yeah, we gonna be that one day. And that commercial where he was just doing all of this, I was like, yeah, that's tech. <laughs> so I was just intrigued that we were finally catching up and there was a commercial and something to me where I think of HP, I think of Dell, I consider them like real rigid and they gave that shot. I, I loved it. So. It's funny, it's funny you say that. I think about, I don't know if anybody else goes down rabbit holes of Dame Dash on YouTube, but Dame Dash <laughs> arguing about getting an email and not a handwritten note reminds me of that commercial. <laughs> and how far behind we actually were. Yeah, we were a little far behind. Charles, what about you? I'm, uh, the one I'm thinking about, it actually did come to fruition. Everybody knows about it, but my moment with it was, it was a kind of a private moment. And, and one of the things I love the most, what do I call it? Forget it. I'm gonna do it. I call them Viagra moments. Viagra. Right. Here's the. Here's the. But here's the Speaking reason. Speaking of rabbit holes. Let's but here's the reason. Here's the reason. Right. Viagra was actually engineered to be something else. Let's say it was supposed to be like a liver medicine. It had this one side effect, and everybody's like, "Nah, it's trash. The side effects messed up." And so it took somebody else coming in the room to be like, "Whoa." Ah uh, ah. Uh, uh. I think. I think we got a product here. <laughs> and. And so I always, I always love it when I come into something expecting it to be one thing and I realize it can change everything forever. And for me, that moment in hip hop and marketing was, this is what led my recruitment to translation. The guy that recruited me showed me the deck, the sales deck for Budweiser Made in America. Yes. Ooh. And Budweiser Made in America. At the time, like I worked in media, I worked creative, I had done it. Uh, it's translation. And so home. I was like, yeah, yeah. So I'm like, I just want to get closer to the culture. Viagra moment. And these guys had written on the slide, celebrating through music, a generation that makes America great every day. And I realized that they had not only sold this through, it wasn't like they just took a beer and sold it a music festival. They took an Americana staple and they said, we can issue net new artifacts and rituals that acknowledge that America belongs to this generation too. That it's not just Norman Rockwell, it's the rock as much as it's Norman Rockwell. So I was like, oh, so if we do this, then it's, gonna, it's not just going to be the exceptional thing that everybody sees and it sparkles. That's going to become the new normal. And that's what I love about hip hop. That's what I love about advertising at its best. And when, when those two things intersected for me, I packed up my family, I moved to New York. Oh, wow. It was beautiful. Made in America for a long time was my favorite, favorite festival. Shout out to everybody from Philly, Philly area. They never give us credit from the suburbs. Um, but shout out to the Philadelphia area. That was a big moment. Make America Great was far beyond Trump. Like that came from the 80s. Please and I no. remember when that was part of the tagline and that was conversation happening where it was like, yeah, it is, it is ours. And so that was a moment. I don't know that I would classify it as a Viagra moment, but like, I kind of see where you were going with that. Yeah, you coined like, that, you coined that. The, you, coined, the, you coined that. Let me it's the, it's the, it's the, it's the, oh. Oh, yes, it was definitely an oh. So. You coined that, just let you know you coined it. I'm gonna keep it. So I, I want to make sure that we have some time definitely for Charlene. So anybody have questions? Yes, ma'am. We could share. Oh, okay. I'm not the projector type. <laughs> um, thank you so much for all of your great words today. And I'll just say that I got into advertising because of hip hop too. Like, I remember I used to have Nicki Minaj and Jeremy Scott Adidas on my wall. You think I'm young from the New York That's Times? I just sorry. Oh, I'm I was young. like Nicki Minaj. Wow. <laughs> 
I'm, I'm infantilizing nice. myself. But anyway, um, yeah, I'm sorry, I'm a little young. But um, my question is, with the rise of the creator economy and apps like TikTok and other apps getting like their cut of the pie or whatever, the money, um, do you have concerns with um, them like diluting hip hop by- You mean even more? Yeah, <laughs> by, by trying to um, take, everyone has access, it's democratized, everyone has access to hip hop now, so they're gonna find the creators that are like easily bought almost. So do we have concerns about that? Oh, that's a packed question, because we could even talk about the money. I don't know how much do we get in the music on the side. Um, but um, for me, it, I, I am very concerned about it, because one thing we do know about technology, I remember five years ago, UMG was like not even into hip hop. You couldn't, I mean, TikTok, you couldn't even, we couldn't even use that as a platform. So I'm thinking in the next five, what's coming, you know? So in terms of marketing for the music, we are concerned because you're right. It's like we have resurgence records. We have, now it seems like a lot of our digital marketing plans are only TikTok, <laughs> you know? So it's like, wait a minute. And I had real recent too, an artist who their channels got taken down the week of release. Mm -hmm. And we're so focused on this. It's like, okay, how do we put the music out? I happen to be a little older, so the traditional marketing kicks in for me, but we do have you know, other people that they, they just, they're just stuck there. And it's like, oh my gosh, well, don't put the record out. What do you mean don't put the record out? It comes out in two days. How about we just think of some other marketing things? So I think we have to be mindful of all of these platforms. They're great. Technology's gonna happen no matter what we wanna say. But we also, as marketers and advertisers, have to figure out all the other ways, creating content or other marketing ways to get our stories out, get our music out, because we are just becoming real relaxed in using these things. And so for me, in my marketing plans, I always try to think of all the same ways, because what I do know to be true, you still get your hair done, you probably still take the train, you probably still take the bus, but we're just forgetting these things. Mm -hmm. And we have to do marketing and advertising as a whole and not just kind of rely on these things solely. Like, we gotta use them, but just not solely. My take on that is, is slightly different in part because I'm not responsible for a specific roster or specific portfolio. And uh, I'm fairly bullish on it, frankly. Uh, I, I feel like things are brighter ahead, uh, generally. Uh, that that has a lot to do with, I'm, I'm from hip hop, so everything's a metaphor for me, right? And there's a, there's a version, there's a version of all of the other formats that you can think of where you'd be like, hey, there was this specialized class of these people that could do this thing and only they could do this thing and then everybody got to do it. And now like, what does it even mean to be a photographer? Right, that's what Instagram was, right? Or what does it even mean to be a filmmaker? Like that's what YouTube is. And so uh, I feel like if artists are really well protected, if, if artists are as forward thinking as they can be, as entrepreneurial as they can be, they protect their rights, they protect their likeness, even as these things are emerging, they're gonna be well positioned for a future um, that is less predictable than it used to be, but I think, frankly, like way more fruitful for the rank and file creator. Um, and we try to build tools and, and enable that future. 
And I, I, I'd say before I, I want us to say goodbye to, to Dr. Charlene Thomas. She's got to go light a so, tower, fam. Like, right. Like, she's got really important work to do things. for the culture right now. Um, but before we do that, I want to acknowledge something that Chaucer said. There is a brighter future ahead, yes. right? Because you're talking about creator culture. And we saw, you know, shout out to, 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 to Bud Light for giving it the good old try. Right. Um, but we also see what happened with Barbie. And I think what happened with the marketing of Barbie is that exactly what Charlene is talking about. What does it look like to be creative in the entirety of yes. using creators, using traditional yes. marketing, using social media, using just just influencer marketing in general has been wild. And so what we have now that we didn't have before is a great example of how it can work. And a really, hmm, maybe that wasn't our best bet. People can teach you two things. <laughs> so real quick, I'm going to leave time for one more question. And, and Chaucer, I hope you could take that last question. But I do want us to give a round of applause for our guest. Thank you. Head of marketing, Def Jam. Shout out to Def Jam. Thank Dr. You. Charlene Thomas, thank you so much for joining thank us. Thank you. Thank you. I mean, we're all here for hip hop. Thank you for that. Um, and anyone that has other ideas, let me know. <laughs> you take that. All right, one more question. Can, you can sit close to me. I took a shower Aye. just to be clear. I did take a shower today. Um, anybody have another question? Yes. Hello. Um, I'm Hi. Claudine, everyone. Um, I was curious to know, especially, you know, with marketing and like artists in particular, you know, creatives are very passionate about what they do and a lot of times very headstrong in their beliefs. So my question is how, especially um, within marketing, getting creatives to really trust in your expertise to be able to um, utilize your knowledge to help them advance in their careers and in their um you know, whatever endeavors they might have, um, especially when, like you said, social media is so accessible and they could kind of do it on their own in, in some ways. Um, so curious to kind of hear your um, thoughts on that. Uh, yeah, my take on that is historically people achieve uh, commercial ends out of creative people through leverage. And increasingly they have to do so through incentives. And uh, I think that list of incentives can be long. Uh, one, of the, one of the greatest incentives you can have for a creative person is <laughs> what you got to have for, to get a home loan, right? It's credit. Yeah. What have you done? Like, show me your stats. Don't show me the size of your check. Don't show me the, the, <laughs> the document that if I disclose it, you, you know, you're going to come take my house. Like, show me what you've done. I think. Um, there are more people, first of all, artists are more curious than they've ever been and more entrepreneurial than they've ever been, in, in my experience. And so it's very rare you're going to see somebody who just wants to be, you know, on stage and then off stage and in the lab. Like, people are interested in the business, the broader business around it. Um, and if you can give them some game or, I'm working with an artist right now. This guy is a Grammy Award winning poet. His name is Jay Ivey. We know Jay Ivey. Right. Grammy winning Jay Ivey. So, so Jay is in the office and we, get, we put him together a bullet campaign. He does this amazing bullet campaign. And, you know, he's, he's riding high and they float the work literally the day before the guy goes and walks on, takes his Grammy down in the category that he created. I mean, it's a Cinderella story. And so I see him in a couple of weeks and I go, Yo, what's the next thing you got? And he has a 12 minute film that I'm not going to talk about the details of here, but I know for a fact, I know for a fact this is 
attention worthy for way more people than he could distribute it to on his own. And so my conversation with Jay starts with like, oh, let me give you some game about how content moves, how it's, when it's not syndicated and bought by Ted Sarandos, right? Let me tell you about how content gets to surfaces like Hulu and then you see a, a brand supporting that. Like there's a whole ecosystem, there's a whole set of shoots and ladders that support that. And you have a couple of brands around you that are already working with you, or there's a couple of brands that are sprinkled in here. And, and I think starting the conversation with him with that is like, yo, I got something to bring to this table that you didn't have access to is, is where all commerce needs to start, it needs to assume the agency of the artist and assume that there is unduplicated value. Otherwise, it's just a check race. And the leverage is, to your point, or to somebody else's point, the leverage is lessening. Because it's like, whatever check you got, whatever check you're dangling, I can probably make it in a bunch of other channels yeah. <laughs> that I might not have been able to 25 years ago. I don't have nothing to add because <laughs> that's the head of marketing and I'll just be here. But in the spirit of Video Music Box, in the spirit of Ralph McDaniels, I wanna give a shout out to the Advertising Club of New York for all their support, for allowing this, con this, this podcast conversation, this audio conversation to not just be live and living color, but also to be visual and to share it with you all. So thank you to Alicia, thank you to Chris, thank you to Inas, thank you to Gina, thank you to Ariel, thank you to the whole team. Um, thank you to my, my co-host, my homeboy, my literally partner in crime, but don't ask me no questions because we're not about to implicate ourselves, Simeon Coker for kind of holding it down the last few weeks to make sure that we got this episode together. Thank you for our co-conversationalists, our co-hosts for the, for the day, Chaucer and Charlene. Appreciate y'all. We couldn't do it without you. And my encouragement for, um, obviously, besides listening to our episodes, like I said, we've been doing this since 2016, um, is also to, you know, go watch something. Watch Cold Crush. Watch Wild Style. Watch a couple of the, the, the spots that folks put out over the last uh, 30, 40 years. Um, and really just in, engage and embrace the love that hip hop has allowed for us all to take part in. Tomorrow is the official birth date. I know like those of us, I, I know that hip hop is a Leo, but it acts like a Virgo because it's yeah. been celebrating all year. Um, engage tomorrow, play some of your favorite records, tell somebody about something you learned, listen to the podcast, link up with, with Chaucer on LinkedIn and Charlene and yeah. We'll talk to y'all later. Peace out. Peace.